welcome to Juicing the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm the other guy, Corwin Heller. And uh, I just got back into the great state of New Jersey by way of Toronto. And um, Corwin, why don't you fill me in on what on earth we're talking about today? Oh, I have no fucking idea. I figured we could just spill the beans, talk some football, and do whatever. Yeah, man. Sounds good to me. All right. So were you able to watch any football this weekend or last weekend? Um, Last weekend, uh, I was far too disheartened after <laughs> the Jets lost that I shut out the NFL entirely. Um. This weekend, we did go to a bar that had a couple games on, but I only managed to watch like a little bit of Cowboys Redskins and a little bit of Packers Vikings. Nothing significant, though. Uh, any major takeaways from anything you did see? Um, Vikings don't look like shit. <laughs> and... Um, I can't tell if the Cowboys are good or if the Redskins were just really bad. Both seem um, like viable options. For what I could say on both the, those two points of like uh, the Vikings being not great and the Cowboys being a lot better than expected, I know that the like I know I talked about this to, for our bold predictions thread. But the Vikings are going 110% all in on the idea of they are going to be a power rushing team. Uh, they invested a lot in the line. They literally only kept four receivers total on their 53-man roster, uh, which basically means you have Adam Thielen and uh, Stefan Diggs and then one backup for each of them. So they're not... You know, they're not focusing on passing the ball. They don't want to put the ball in the hands of Kirk Cousins. And you know what? When you play a really good team that's good at stopping the run, there's not much left for you to do. So I feel like that's the big reason why uh, the Vikings looked flat when they did play uh, outside of Dalvin Cook because he's been phenomenal. Um, and then for the Cowboys, I didn't realize Kellen Moore, their new offensive coordinator, is like fucking jesus because he has turned that offense upside down and they look incredible yeah i was um the one thing i think i really took away while watching the vikings is that i kirk cousins really cashed in on uh like one really really good year did it was there two i can only think of one i mean He's had like, let me look up his stats, but like, I don't remember him ever being in, you know, consideration like, oh shit, Kirk Cousins, he's a top fucking quarterback in the league, like easily top five. Yeah. The only, he's always Kirk just been like above average and we think he could do really good things if you, you know, put him in the right system. The only year I can think of him having is the, you like that season. Yeah. That's the only season I remember of his before the Vikings. And um, I mean, it, it he just he didn't look bad. Um, he looked almost like a diet Alex Smith because Alex Smith, I think, earns the title. Um, what do they call him? Um, uh, Captain Checkdown. The other like thing, game manager. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because he will actually manage the, like he won't make any like dazzling throws, but he will manage a game very well. You know, like he'll put the ball where he needs to go. He'll avoid turnovers. He'll keep the offense moving and consistent. And Kirk was just kind of like a lamer version of that at best. Like the offense seemed to be able to do things sometimes. And then other times they were like, oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, it was just, I don't know. It was just kind of weird watching him. I didn't like, you know, the Vikings have really, really good players and it just right. didn't show. Man, I just, I'm just waiting to see whether or not they actually start performing like a playoff team. I mean, they haven't been bad, but they haven't really shown us that they are who we thought they were coming into this, you know, like, uh, through two weeks, the offense has been a mixed bag. The defense has looked good, but again, just mixed bag. It's again, it's too early for any major, you know, to start burning your house down and freaking out about whether or not the Vikings are a good team. But they're not off to the start that we thought they were going to start off. At. And I feel like this is the second year in a row we've said that. Yes. Last year, I feel like injuries to the offensive line and Dalvin Cook being out and all that really is what caused a lot of those issues. But at the same time, they're healthy now and they're having the same problems. Yeah. At Similar point, problems. It's what's not your the excuse. All right. Um, so let's go through. I guess we could just go through some of the top headlines from uh, the NFL this past week. All right, yeah, shoot. Uh, especially today. Um, so I'm going off of some top Reddit posts from the uh, past 24 hours to start off. Last year in the playoffs, the Rams basically murder a Saints receiver, breaking up a, a potentially game-winning pass, and there's a no-call. Huge right, story right. in the offseason, huge story at the time, was a major deal. The NFL changed the rules, allowing teams to uh, challenge call or no called pass interference this offseason to fix this. And the refs screwed the Saints against the Ram again, Rams again. Um, basically, there was a Jared Goff fumble. He fumbled the ball as he was bringing the ball forward to make a pass in the red zone. Uh, this was a tie game uh, right before the halftime. The ball comes out. Cameron Jordan returns it 87 yards for a touchdown. But before he has the chance to do so, the refs blow the, uh, blow the play dead. Um, so they blow the whistle. They rule it that it was an incomplete pass. They think his arm's coming forward. Turns out it wasn't. It was a fumble. But because they blew the play dead before Cameron Jordan reached the end zone, they just have to start the ball where the where they where he was when the whistle was blown. They stall out. They don't score the they lose out on seven points essentially. They end up having to punt and it costed them the game. And yeah. at this point I don't know what to do about this. I, I think the NFL should also um and this goes for the NHL because we you see this um similarly in hockey. Let the play conclude, however it is, and then make judgments. I don't get why they wouldn't do it that way because because the thing is, if um, 
Sean McVay was like screaming at the refs on, from the sideline. He was trying to pass it. He was trying to pass it. Then just challenge the play. Just challenge the play. Like, don't blow the play dead. But the big thing is, they're trained to do it that way. They're that's what I'm supposed saying. Like, to like, do that's, it. That's that why way. I wish, like, the, that one of the rule changes or bylaw changes or uh, ref standards and practices changes would be. And again, same thing for hockey, because this also happens in hockey all the time. Mm hmm. Let the play finish naturally and then figure it out from there. I I wish Robo Umps was the best way to do this, but it's not going to work in football. And I just don't really uh, understand what the fix is. Yeah. Uh, break up the union. Yeah. Break I don't up know. The union. Well, we haven't um, tried that yet. <laughs> All right, so this one, uh, this so is real quick. Last... Um, one yeah, thing I did see, uh, Drew Brees with the hand injury. Yeah, so um, he got basically he was passing the ball as he was releasing the ball. His hand basically just continued on directly into the palm of Aaron Donald as he was trying to swipe the ball down. Um, I'm under the assumption that because this was a NFL game involving Aaron Donald. He was trying very hard to make a play. So his hand was probably coming forward at a pretty good speed. Drew Brees has a very quick release. His arm was coming forward at a very high speed. It just wasn't a clean collision. Um, and there was a picture of him after the game with his thumb in a brace that looks like it's very much for um, stabilizing the hand involved with uh, ligament damage. So that'll be a big thing to watch out for uh, for this week upcoming and the rest of the season. Man, that would be fucking devastating. Oh, but, my God. Because Teddy Bridgewater didn't look good. Well, I was going to say, like, this is also now going to become a huge story for Teddy Bridgewater, who signed mm -hmm. another one-year deal uh, with the Saints this offseason. And you'd think that if there was ever a time for him to get a look for, you know, a new contract with a new team to be a starter... I mean, this is kind of his time to do it because if he doesn't or if he looks bad, he'll either be a backup for the whatever length the remainder of his career is or he just won't have a job next season. And I love Teddy. I mean, we've talked about him on the podcast plenty we of times. Big fat Teddy stands. Yeah. I just I watched the game today uh, when it was on. He just didn't look sharp. He didn't look like a a starting caliber NFL quarterback. And again, it's one game. We've seen him do much better, but as of right now, things were not looking very promising. Did I see that Taysom Hill also QB'd for a while? Yeah, he was in there a lot more than he usually was. Um, I could pull up the stats right now to see exactly how much he played. Um, but he definitely got a lot more looks once Breeze left the game than uh, he normally does. Yeah, yeah, that threw me. I mean, it makes sense. He is also a quarterback, but I was kind of expecting it to be Teddy's game to to ride or die with. But quote yeah, unquote fucking, quarterback. Yeah, right. Yeah, more of like a special teamer at this point slash tight end. I don't remember what he does. He does seemingly everything. Um, Taysom Hill had three targets. Uh, two receptions for 16 yards. So no rushes, no passes. Oh, so he didn't come into QB. At least he didn't pass the ball. 
Okay. He could have handed the ball off. Could have been a wildcat thing. I don't whatever. know what the fuck I thought I saw then. Does yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, I definitely saw him in the game a couple times. That's for sure. Um, but I wasn't watching that game terribly closely. All right, what else did I miss during my travels today? Um, this Miami Dolphins team may be very well the worst team I've ever watched play. Um, they genuinely just do not care on the fields. Can you, you can blame them? No, I can't. And that's part of the problem is I think this team has just completely given up. Um, they got outscored 59 to 10 last week against the Ravens looked truly awful on defense. Wasn't able to do anything on offense either. I mean, just their secondary got absolutely picked apart. Um, there was no, I don't say this lightly. There was absolutely zero redeeming qualities about the dolphins from that game. Um, I mean, Kenyon Drake just can't do anything. Ryan Fitzpatrick has looked truly awful, and Josh Rosen just is getting put in the same situation he was last year with a lot of drop passes, not a lot of time to throw the ball without offensive line. Oh, so Rosen played today. He did play today. Um, he went uh, 7 of 18 for 97 yards and a pick. Sacked oh, three man. times. Um, just... It was bad. He had so many passes where receivers either dropped the ball or just miscommunications. Either way, like this team was not helping him out. Yeah, I was talking to Skylar about this today, actually, while we were um, watching the uh, Dallas game because he, he, he was confused about the Miami quarterback situation, because which is fair because they traded for Josh Rosen and then signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. I forget which one happened first. Um, but then they traded away like their best offensive lineman left tackle left tackle Lermy Tunsil mm-hmm. and aren't starting the guy that they traded for and are instead starting the 36 year old career backup slash career super mediocre starter, if not subpar. Um, so none of it seems to make any sense because it's not like you need to um sit Josh Rosen to learn or to catch up to the game. He played last season. Like, in theory, he should understand the speed of the NFL from experience at this point to the point where you could just start him mm-hmm. and then treat Ryan Fitzpatrick the way that they treated, that the Jets treated um, Josh McCown last year by just letting him, you know, hold a clipboard for the young guy. And instead, they're just... They're trotting him out there. <sighs> I don't, I don't, I don't get the strategy. Uh, I genuinely think this is just absolute utter tanking to the fullest extent. Um, I, I mean, they clearly are tanking. They're trading away all their best players, just basically stockpiling as many uh, draft picks as they can. They're doing the same with their really only great young defensive player still on their rookie contract in uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. They traded Tunsil. They traded anyone with a pulse that they could get rid of. Uh, It's just, they're full on tanking. And I think the team has just picked up on that and isn't really there to support it. And they've just kind of given up. Yeah. Again, cannot blame them. 
Um, just some stats for you. Uh, the Patriots had 123 yards today just off of Miami Dolphins interceptions. Oh, 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 wow. At that point in the game, the Dolphins had 93 yards of total offense. So the Patriots had more yards on interception returns than the Dolphins had total yards. Jesus Christ. Um, let's see. By the end of the game, total yard. Yeah. I mean, they had 184 total yards by the end of the game. Couldn't score. Gave up 381 yards to the Pats and just got shut down by that defense. Like the Pats offense didn't even look all that great. It's just they were playing a little league team. Yeah. I mean, they've been outscored 102 to 10 over two weeks. That's I, fucking wild. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't even have real words for it other than just constant shock and awe. Like there were, uh, there was a really great thread on Twitter earlier. Um, I forget exactly who posted it. I want to say it was like Warren Sharp, one of those guys. Basically just showing all the ridiculously boneheaded plays that Miami players have done. Um, like there was one where the first pass of the game was to a receiver who was 10 yards downfield blocking because he thought it was a run play. I'm watching a clip <sighs> right now of Fitzpatrick uh, taking a little drop down pass to the running back. I don't know exactly which one. And the running back ducks from the ball. No fucking way. I'm watching it right now. It's one of the top posts on the NFL uh, Reddit. He ducks from the ball. Oh. Do you feel bad for Miami fans? Um, nah, because fuck them. Yeah, that's how I feel too. But I know if I was in that position, it would be really bad. Speaking of which, how are you feeling about your Steelers? Um, I may have burned a, uh, you know, Jamaican voodoo doll of Keith. Yeah. An effigy of Keith Butler, hoping to get him fired. Um, who is that? He's our defensive coordinator. Oh, so really bad for a really long amount of time. And it's just like, we have all the players we need to succeed with what we're trying to accomplish. And just the coverages he calls and the alignments he calls are just ridiculous. Like the fact that tight ends are basically carving us up week in and week out for the past two years at least. I mean, like Will Disley lit the Steelers defense up today. And we signed Mark Barron. We drafted Terrell Edmonds. We drafted uh, Devin Bush so that we could have guys to cover guys like Gronk when the Patriots were killing us and we still can't even color cover Will Disley. It's just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, the Steelers, about, um, defense sorry. Kind of sucks. Yes. Yes, they do. How do you, how do you feel about, um, uh, big Ben's health right now? The elbow issue is kind of big. You could tell, um, in the first half that, he just couldn't get the tingles. Like he couldn't get full feeling out of his, um, in his right hand because of his elbow. He was trying to shake it out on the field, tried to play through it, just 
wasn't looking great. And then basically it was the Mason Rudolph show from there on out. And at one point he had 12 or 13 straight completions, which is, it's a nice thing to see. He throws a beautiful ball. He looked the part. Um, He looked like a future starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know what? If at the, at the end of the day, if he has to start multiple games for us, I am confident our team won't completely, you know, fall apart because he's there. I think he's going to do a good job. No, instead your team will fall apart because the defense is um, porous. You are 100% correct. In strategy. Yep. If I watch any more linebackers or defensive ends covering wide receivers, I'm going to blow my brains out. All right, give me one more thing from today. That uh, you would like to that that, that that would that was noteworthy in in my um, absence of of watching. Let me think. Let's uh, give me a second to look some stuff over just to uh, make sure I pick something good. Um, I mean Antonio Brown had a good game, but no one fucking cares. Yeah, fucking nobody God. cares. I really don't want to talk about that. I didn't either. I did. That's why I didn't bring it up. Um, this is the last game that the Raiders will play a home game with a baseball diamond still visible. All right, so that confused the fuck out of me until <laughs> I got it got explained to me that after the Oakland A's season ends, they put turf over the baseball diamond because <laughs> I did not realize that they did that. Really? It never dawned on me because because <laughs> then I realized you I don't guess watch the Raiders only... enough, right? Huh? Like you just don't watch the Raiders enough to notice something like that. I never do, and then but then every year you also see a highlight, and I guess that now the thing about it, it is always at the beginning of the season, where someone's running, uh, or doing whatever on a diamond, and then it, you know when it got explained to me that no, like that's just for the month of September, unless by offhand chance the A's are in the postseason and play home games at the same time the Raiders do, um, early October, then they put turf over it because that's stupid. I was like, oh, well, fucking, that that makes a lot of sense. Duh. So, yeah, I had no fucking clue. Yeah. So I have two things that I want to talk about. They're both probably going to be pretty short. Uh, the first one, Odell Beckham Jr. took out a full building ad in Times Square, which basically was a sign that said, new team, who dis? And then just a picture of Odell on like an orange background for the Browns. And uh, I saw probably the best comment that to summarize this is that is the literal definition of fuck you money. It is. Um, I'm usually all about the pettiness and I think I'd love it in theory, but Oh man, it's just, I really so agree sad. with that point. Like, in theory, Odell taking out an ad to spurn the Giants is phenomenal. At the same time, you got traded there, right? Like, Odell was traded there, right? Like, I'm not misremembering that. He was traded, yeah. So it's not like, you know, they did it from a business perspective. Like, I, I just think it comes off as like, why are you, why are you still so stuck up on this? If I was him, I think what I would have liked more is if you put it out of the paper. Right? I like think a full page, page ad. cover? Yeah, some, or yeah, whatever, anything. Because for one thing, 
Not a single goddamn New Yorker goes to Times Square. Not a single fucking one. No. None of them. Unless they're trying to get somewhere the fuck else or they're scamming you. And no when they do, when they do have to go through it, they're going through as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, sure but, as hell not looking up at advertisements. Exactly. You know? But every single New Yorker, or every single bodega in New York is going to be carrying the Daily Post. Mm-hmm. You know? So throw a fucking back page in there. Pay out the ass for it. That shit's going to be in every single bodega and coffee shop in New York. That shit's would be would be way more significant. You want to know why I don't also, think he did probably that? Probably cheaper. Oh, I'm why? sure it was cheaper because that's not flashy enough. It's Odell Beckham Jr. Exactly, and that's what, what I think I don't like do? about it. It, it. it he had all the pomp and circumstance, but he, I, I I don't know. It feels kind of weak. I'm with you 100. Uh, percent So the last big headline that came out today is something that's going to hit close to home for you. Uh, Ian Rappaport and Greg Rosenthal came out and said Sam Darnold's return is estimated to be three to seven weeks as he tries to recover from mono. I kind of that's the timeline I was kind of expecting. And because that was the timeline that everyone had kind of given when the news first broke. Um, So the fact that it it almost feels like I'm getting the exact same news as I got like earlier this week. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, it takes like a month to get over mono. And then you have to like gain all your weight back and then practice. So, I mean, it still sucks. Like, it still super fucking sucks. Like, I'm still very, very upset. I'm not trying to brush it off, but I'm just confused as to why it's news now when it was news a few days ago already. Like, did anyone think he was going to be ready by like week five? Like, I don't think anyone actually thought he was going to be ready by week five. I think most people realize that, or at least initially thought was like, oh, okay, he's going to be out for this week. He might be out next week. But, you know, he's, you know, you're sick for mono. You're really sick for like a week. He's a professional athlete. He can come back from that, you know, is what it is. But I think those people either have never had mono or clearly are misremembering what it's like to have it. Um, But I just think this is a big news story just because people didn't realize the scope that was actually about to occur because like you know what i'm trying to say yeah no it, it, it it's it's a lot it's a lot to deal with because it's also like all right if he had the flu okay right. and he was sidelined he'll be he'd probably be sidelined for let's say one let's be generous let's say two weeks okay like wow that's a lot of time for the flu okay after that you'd probably be able to jump straight back into workouts, you know? Um, so let's say he misses a third week just because, you know, he lost like five pounds or so and they want him to practice, whatever. That's three weeks. Like, that. that's... Now, Mono, he can't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. He can. Be, he's not going to want to eat. He lost five pounds in a day. One day. So he's yeah. going to be like that for... When he's I... be like that for probably four weeks straight. But then when he finally is getting medically able to be medically cleared to start working out again, he's going to have to probably start eating like a goddamn maniac while he does it so, to try to gain his his uh, um, game day weight back. It's then not he's like he's carrying a ton of extra weight that, you know, he has to lo- spare, like spare to lose. And that's a great point, too, because he's literally a pro fucking athlete. It's not like he had like mm-hmm. 20 pounds of fat jiggling around like an old lineman. Right. 
Like if an He's, offensive lineman loses five pounds in a day, your left tackle. Yeah, he's not feeling great because he has mono, but the five pounds is negligible. He could have missed a meal and lost five pounds with how much yeah. the O-linemen eat. I've taken shits that were five pounds. <laughs> and that's not even a dig at O-linemen. They're just, they do that on purpose. Like, they're trying it's, to, yeah. No, it's percentages, I was, yeah. Absolutely, exactly. It's absolutely percentages. Um, yeah, this season's a wash, which fucking sucks because I was actually really excited about it, but this season's a wash for the Jets. No yeah, one's going to get judged sucks. based off of this season. Darnold's not going to get judged based off this season. Gates isn't going to get judged off based off this season. Joe Douglas isn't going to get judged. Like no one's going to get judged. The only no, no, no I scratch it. The only person who's still capable of getting judged this season will be um, Greg Williams. That's it. I I think it's almost a certainty now that Greg Williams is probably not going to make it to year two, just because of how much I've heard come out from players and members of the NFL community how hated Greg Greg Williams is. And I can't remember the last time I heard a, a coordinator be badmouthed this badly when his unit has actually been doing very well. Like the Jets defense has not been bad this year. It's been one game. Give us one more. Yeah, still. Yeah, speaking of which, CJ Mosley is out for Monday, so super which, not excited to watch huge. that. Yeah. All right, now um, give me um like two or three storylines that you think have been impacted as we look ahead to next week. What the fuck is going to happen with um all of these quarterback injuries? True. What's going to happen with Antonio Brown and the ongoing roller coaster of this season with him. Um, I guess Melvin Gordon's holdout is still pretty big. Um, what else is there? I don't, I'm not really sure. Any that you uh, have off the top of your head? I'm kind of interested in the Bills. Um, yeah. And Lamar Jackson. I'm basically interested in every year oh, yeah. one QB that got kind of... Year uh, two. Oh, sorry, um, year two QB who's kind of considered a run, not pass kind of guy, but really <laughs> just those two dudes, Lamar and, and Josh Allen, since they've seemingly taken enormous steps forward in their passing abilities. Incredibly. I will uh, 100% eat my hat on both of those guys after what they've showed this year. Yeah, th- thus far it's been it's been really, really... And you never root against anybody, so um, it's I'm not going to say... Man, like fuck them too. Even though at Josh Allen's in my division, I just like wasn't expecting it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, good, good, good for them for doing it. Um, yeah, you said the Antonio Brown thing. I think, I think Miami is going to end up being like the Baltimore Orioles. Like they're going to be so fucking bad that at like after game five, like they're not even going to get talked about again until like week fifteen when it's when you're starting to get into historic bad territory in terms of stats. I really think that they have a solid chance of going 0 and 16 this year. No, they'll beat us. I'm I'm very sure they'll beat us. <laughs> you say that. Uh, if you watched this week or last week of the Dolphins, oh my god, I've never seen an NFL team perform that badly. And they want to trade their best defensive player this week, which is another headline to look forward to for week three. Trade him to the Jets. Yeah, the Jets should absolutely be putting in. Uh, a trade offer for them for Minka Fitzpatrick. 
fuck yeah, I would take it. Um, I mean, if the cost if the cost for him is just a first and a day two, day three pick, fucking yes, slam the yes button on that. Well, the um, the the, the, the um, Twitter post I saw said that they were asking for um, a second round pick, and would just even, a second round pick, even be willing to stretch it down to a third, just straight up. Not on top of a first. And I, I definitely did not see a first. Um, wow. A third might have been tagged along with something, but like they, like the asking price was incredibly low from what I had seen on Twitter today. I refuse to believe that because if the price for him was a second or a third, he would have been traded already. I can not only report disc- the facts. Not to discredit any of that, but. That would be insane to me if someone didn't trade a second or a third round pick already for Micah Fitzpatrick. Because, like, even then, it's like it's not worth trying to lowball them or negotiate when the price is that low for this caliber of player. Well, then again, the uh, Dolphins suck. Um, <laughs> oh, right. Their front office is trash, and um, they should probably <laughs> relocate the entire team. <laughs> you are not wrong. Um, wow, I just watched Matt Ryan just completely just shoot himself in the foot with a end zone interception. Oof, those hurt the most. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's pivot real quick as um this won't be a long one today since I am tired. Um, let's pivot real quick into baseball for a moment. Perfect. Uh, it was announced today that Mike Trout's season has concluded. Yeah, um, he is wow. going to need surgery to remove um, some something uh, something something. You know, one of those medical something somethings. Um, basically, what it is is like it's a little growth in his foot um, that can feel as uncomfortable as a fold in your sock, or as much as like a marble jamming into your bone every time you walk and so apparently huh is it a bunion it's not a bunion it's an actual growth um Hmm. it's it's like a tumor in like aspect but like not a threat of cancer just like that type of hard lump got it Um, because we really ended up looking it up today because we were all very curious um so i know that his uh year's stats have been posted already um, seemingly everywhere in the wake of the news, but just to recap, um, he will finish with 134 games played, uh, an even 600 played appearances, 470 at bats, 110 runs scored, 137 hits, 27 doubles, two triples, 45 home runs. Which, as the moment, at the moment I say this, leads the American League. 104 RBIs, 11 stolen bases to two caught stealings, 110 walks, which leads all of baseball. 120 strikeouts, a 291 batting average, a 438 on base percentage, which leads all of baseball, a 645 slugging percentage, which leads the American League, a 1083 OPS, which leads the American League, a 184 OPS, which OPS plus, which leads all of baseball, 303 total bases, five grounding into double plays, 16 hit by pitches, which actually also leads the American League. Um, and 14 intentional walks, which leads the American League. 
He's also already been named an all-star this year. Is he essentially locked up his MVP campaign this year? Well, that I think now begets the question of how much can one player become be impactful in two weeks to overshadow this? Is that possible? Um, in my mind, no. I don't think you should be dis- so incredibly discounted for missing two. Like, if Mike Trout missed two weeks in the middle of the season instead of these two weeks he's about to miss, I don't think it would even be a fucking conversation. Like, he would still be MVP. But people mm-hmm. are talking about it like just because him and same with Christian Yelich um, are going to miss the last two weeks of the season. Like all of a sudden they've basically all but forfeited their MVP chances. I think is fucking ludicrous. So in my mind, he's still MVP, but people yeah. will talk about the likes of um, TJ LeMayhew or Michael Brantley or fucking Matt Chapman or what, but it's, it's, it's still Mike Trout. Like this is a fucking insane year is it's, it's still fucking Mike fucking Trout. If he missed two weeks in June, would that have any effect on his MVP campaign? Literally none. Yeah, I would think it should have the same effect now. I'm still 100% on board with him being the MVP. Um, For reference, 134 games that he played in is his (sighs) second fewest in his career, not counting his um, pre-rookie of the year campaign. The only year he played fewer than that um 2017 he played 114 where he still finished fourth in mvp voting um his rookie year he played 139 games um one rookie of the year finished second place in mvp like this is it's not like he's only playing in 96 games it's 134 games it's pretty average at this point pretty standard like if he played if he had a single dl stint for 10 days that's basically playing uh, in the rest of the season, the rest of the, like, let's just say, like 152 games. That's still playing in 88% of all games, which is like a rest day, every, like once a week. It's, yeah, it's, it's an nothing. average number of rest. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, I do think the injury to Christian Yelich has more of an effect on the MVP race, but... Man, Cody Bellinger has cooled off so much. Um, and, you know, I don't think Pete Alonso or, you know, Eugenio Suarez, who are the only two guys I think that are relatively close, are close enough to really fight Yelich off for the MVP. I think both of these guys have it in the bag. Yeah, I, I think you, you kind of nailed it um, in, in what you just said because, yeah, the only reason Mike Trout's got it so locked up is that there's really. I mean, there will be people around him in the voting because someone has to come in second, but there's not really anyone around him. Yelich does have those dudes, and literally those were the exact three names I was going to fucking say. Um, Beat you to it. Yeah, and if if Christian Yelich bat like the most average bat um, for these last two weeks, he'd probably still win just by virtue of still being there. Um, I mean, there's like 11 games left, 10 games. Um, yeah, something like that. It's not a lot. There's, there's still, you know, everyone's going to still have their off days as usual. Um, teams, I, I, I mean, um, so I, someone could swoop in at the end, like one of those three dudes. But if it was the case, like if if Christian Yelich came out here and bat two hundred for these last fifteen or ten games, I, uh, it would have been it would have been his, right? Like. 
if I was a voter, I would still pick Christian Yelich. Um, like if, if he went hitless over the next 10 games, I would still vote for him for MVP. It's just That's he's had he too had? good of a season. Yeah. I mean, I know I predicted that Cody Bellinger would win it. I own Bellinger in fantasy, not Yelich. So obviously I want Bellinger to win it because that's what fantasy is. It's absolute madness. But that, I mean, it's been so good. I still have to give it to him, even though I'm incredibly biased. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just as biased since I picked Christian Yelich to win MVP. Um, <laughs> but also, like the man, he just deserves it. A hundred percent. Um, my only other point in baseball before we conclude the show, so I can go to bed, <laughs> is um, I visited Roger Center for the first time this past weekend up in Toronto, where the Blue Jays play. Um, this is now the least favorite ballpark I've ever been to. <laughs> really? Yo, Roger Center fucking sucks. And you've been to Tropicana, right? I've not been to the Trop. I um, I will at some point in my life venture down there for that shit. Um, no desire in the in the immediate. Um, but it yeah, Rogers really Center. That bad though. What the Trop or Rogers Center? Rogers Center. Dude, I. The stadium has mosquitoes. Just the stadium. Really. Well, be, so we were talking about it. Um, you know, I was there with friends and we were discussing it because we all kept getting bit. Um, but none of us were getting like mosquito bites anywhere else in the entire city. And we think because it's they keep the dome closed at all times, um, that the water which accumulates from either them cleaning or uh people spilling drinks, whatever, doesn't evaporate um in the sunlight because they, they keep the dome closed. And that allows for mosquitoes to be there. Because we got bit up by mosquitoes the whole game. That's absolutely insane. That they have a mosquito infestation at a domed stadium or an indoor stadium. It was nuts. In addition to that, um, I have a lot of gripes with with, with this ballpark um, right now. Uh, Some of them smaller than others. A small one, it was very dead. And I don't even mean by attendance, because that was its own thing. And I can understand that to a degree. But, like, because it's so fucking big, it's the third biggest ballpark in baseball. Because it's so fucking big. It's really obvious that, like, there are spots that vendors should have been at that were just completely unoccupied because attendance has been so poor or because they just didn't have enough vendors to fill all the areas that there was just nothing there. So like you walk through sections of the ballpark and it just feels like a ghost town because for one thing there's no one attending the game like to fill up this section of the ballpark and for another thing there's no vendors that are there because there's no one at the game or because the stadium is just so fucking huge. Huh. It was weird. It was really weird. Give me um, a rating out of 10. 5. Really? Okay. What was like so? What were like the redeeming qualities of this? That you know, the only redeeming quality in my mind is that is in like the middle of Toronto. Like we walked there from where we were staying, so it's a convenient location. 
very convenient. It's in a very nice part of town. There's like a ton of sports bars and things to do and restaurants like all right by it. Like you do not need to drive to this ballpark. I'd actually recommend you don't. Um, <laughs> no, just because like it really is like it's a nice place to like hang out like the the town that it's in. It's a really nice part of town, Um, which is like super like I would if I live in Toronto, I would go all the time, even with how much I just said I didn't like that ballpark. Because it's 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 just there and it's easy. Yeah, it and it like I said, it's just it's in a it's in a fun part of Toronto. Um, but yeah, uh, the fans didn't seem into it at all. Even though we went to uh, the game that the Blue Jays won, we went to the Friday game. Uh, fans do, <laughs> yeah, they seemed like they were taking a test. Um, really? they didn't give a shit. Um, you know who did give a shit though? Security. Right. They cared Ooh. a lot. Which was shocking because that stadium was fucking empty. So we had gotten into Toronto at seven thirty in the morning on that Friday, and we were like, "All right, let's go to the ball game. We're not going to stay the whole time. We'll just get the cheapest seats in the house. And if it's empty, we'll try to move up. And if not, like whatever." So we sit like um, we sit way up in the five hundreds. The five hundreds is ballpark's huge. Um, for the first four innings, and then we're like, "All right, fifth inning. Like, let's try to go down. Like, if we can't, then like we'll just go home." and sleep and if we can like we'll chill for like maybe another two innings and so we go down to the 100 and like we, you can see like the, like the sections because we're so high up like after um halfway down the first baseline this ballpark is absolutely just there's no one there there's no one there and wow. earlier this year i was in kansas city and matt and i sat in the 100s like we sat in the lower bowl when we didn't have tickets for it because no one was there and no one cared and you and I, when we went to Baltimore last year, did the same thing, and no one cared. Because those teams are bad and poorly attended. And this team is bad and poorly attended. So we were like, yeah, like no one's going to give a shit. And no, like security took the job so fucking serious. Like, and on the one hand, like I do get it. Like, we do not have seats. We do not have tickets. Like, I, I understand. But at the same time, like, there was this the, the section right by the foul the right field foul pole had literally two people sitting in it. See, that's what I don't get. If I could spend 10, 15, 25, even $30 on a ticket and have the idea in the back of my head, all right, there's going to be no one there. I'm going to take this ticket for the 200 300s level whatever it is. I'm going to find a seat in the lower bowl. I'm going to have a good game. I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to have, you know, some fucking chicken tenders, whatever. I'm going to have a good time. If they didn't allow that to happen, like apparently they do in Toronto, and I had to spend 50, 100 bucks on a ticket to have the same seat, I'm just not going to go in the first place. If you get me in the door, I'm more incentivized to spend more money when I'm there. Hundred percent. But if it's so expensive that you're never going to get me in the door, you're losing out on everything. one hundred percent. I don't um, get it, man. And you want to know the craziest part? What Rogers Center, a ticket to a Blue is more expensive than a ticket to a Yankees game. What? Double. What? The cheapest seat in the house, and we bought from the Blue Jays. Like on their website was thirty dollars American after the after the conversion, thirty dollars American. Who did they play? The Yankees. 
you can sit in either the bleachers or the 400 level grandstands for $15 from the Yankees. It's almost as if the Yankees of all teams understand that drunk New Yorkers will go fill up some bleachers and drink, you know, a hundred dollars in booze once you get them in the door. Yep. Yeah. That's absolutely asinine. No, it was fucking like it was a terrible fan experience. It was just like and, and that's not even because I'm a the UA fan. I had a great time at Coffin Stadium. That ballpark's gorgeous. People there are awesome. Like it, it's a it's an environment around you having a good time. Same thing with Camden Yards. Like every single road ballpark I've been to, uh, Citizens Bank ballpark where the Phillies play is great. Super, super, super great. Um, the Blue Jays, they didn't give a fuck. The only thing they cared about was that you paid for your seat, you're sitting in it, and don't even fucking think about moving. Well, you know what do we say to them? Fuck them. Square in the ass. Toronto, though, cool town. Really, 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 really dug their city. All right. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I have two things I want to say before we close out, though. Let it rip. Uh, one of them is just a simple stat. Saquon Barkley is averaging more yards per carry than Eli Manning's yards per throw, yards per attempt. Wow, that's bad. Saquon is averaging 7.8 yards per rush. That's amazing. Eli's averaging 6.2 yards per attempt. I can't wait to hear what you follow this up with. Um, basically, just letting you know that I was at the Penn State Pitt football game at Beaver Stadium and State College on Saturday. Oh, that was and sad. That was the worst officiated game I have ever seen in my life. Oh, really? Like, in person? On TV, no. Like, there have been worse games that I've seen involving Penn State. But in person, this was the worst I've seen. There was just missed call after blown replay after blown replay after missed call after bullshit call. It's just... Pitt was playing real chippy. They just... There was a time where like they were stepping on one of our players and there was no call. A guy hit a player after the whistle as they were running back. No call. Just a bunch of little stuff. And uh, maybe it was because I was, I was on the wrong end of sober. But at the time, I was very upset with what was going on. Penn State won. Doesn't matter. Eat shit, Pitt. Um, I will refrain, but... Uh... Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for staying up to chat with me tonight. Of course, anything for Big Josh. Help <laughs> him out when he's on his uh, way back from the worst city in the world, Toronto. Great town, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, if you guys want to hit us up on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you want to hit up our email, you can do so at juicethenumbers at gmail.com and you can find um, our website at juicethenumbers.com or juicethenumbers.wixsite.com slash website. And until Thursday, y'all the best. Bye.